Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas here. We have another amazing guest joining us, Weldon Limke. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. And if you can just tell our audience, where are you calling us from today? So I am uh, calling in from the rural southern portion of Delaware on the east coast of the United States. All right. And tell us they something call it, about they Delaware. Call it the that, lower slower. So the lower slower. That's what I was asking for. Something that we should know about Delaware. Yeah. Thank you for giving us that. So today we're going to talk about your book that's titled Between the Red Letters. And I think that that is something very, very important as we dive into this today. And our audience will find that as well. But before we do, just tell us a little bit about your faith. How did you become a Christian? How did it change your life? And then we'll go into the book after that. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I, I'm actually not native to Delaware. I grew up in Western Canada, and uh, I grew up in a home where my past, my dad was a pastor on and off for uh, for most of my formative years. So uh, I, if you could say I almost grew up into faith, it was always a part of what I did. I grew up in church all the time, um, some of them small rural ones, you know, some in the city, but that was kind of part of my experience. And so uh, there was no, uh, you know, epiphanies later in life. Mm-hmm. It came, just grew up in that, was used to it, was around the language, came to know Jesus at a very, very young age, because that was just kind of part of the, the process. Uh, but the faith journey, of course, doesn't end there, right? Yeah. That's just kind of a beginning spot. And so, um, you know, so as I got older, of course, I, I, you know, I, most of my life was spent growing up in, in church youth groups and all that kind of stuff. I met my wife uh, now of 35 years. Uh, as my dad moved to pastor a church, I was in college at the time. And, uh, but the faith was always the thing that kept me grounded. Then of course, as I got into, uh, uh, into the world, because I, uh, although I am a pastor today, that is not my first occupation. Um, I have a business, uh, finance marketing degree, spent, uh, about 17 years working in the business world, moving around, wow. uh, Canada and eventually to the U S in that. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, moved, God was began to tug on my heart to move me into a full-time pastoral ministry. And so faith is kind of anchored, you know, all the way through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been something that I've held on to. It's dictated how I parent. I have two kids, four grandkids. It dictated how I do uh, work and, and ministry in life. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of been a continual growth with some, like the average person, some down spots and some up ones. Yeah. Yeah. And your marketing background and all of this other educational part that you have, how does this balance and help you to become a better pastor? Because I think that every tool that we can learn can kind of assist us in that way. So how about for you? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some of the stuff probably less from a schooling perspective, because you know how that is. Once you get Mm -hmm. about 15 years past your schooling, a lot of that doesn't apply. 
But I think the experience of working yeah. in business, of relating to people, of having to travel on business, of being on teams, all of that set the groundwork uh, from when I became a pastor. And then, of course, once I became a pastor, got my master's degree and kind of leaned into that, uh, a lot of those experiences of being you know, with people, seeing how they relate to each other, especially in an environment where Jesus wasn't a part of it, mm -hmm. uh, actually equips you to deal with people with inside the church. So, Yeah, that's amazing. And how about that switch between you were working in a secular world where everyone's not really focused on Christ, but then you move into a church structure, right? And you're leading a church with a group of people that are, are trying to live like mm -hmm. Jesus, right? So what was that like for you, that, that transition? Well, uh, there's probably... That's a long answer if we were to really dive into it. But just at a, at a very high level, I mean, there was two things. I've always been involved in church. So mm -hmm. the engagement in leadership and all that probably didn't change a whole lot. Right. But what changed was the role. And mm -hmm. so I went from dealing with people who don't follow Jesus that I generally had low expectations of to working with people that I had higher expectations of and then dealing with some of the disappointments when you find out that people are still people. And uh, there's still some difficulties in there. So uh, I think I have a, a look into it because I, I could identify with the people I pastor. I know what it's like to be on the other end of that and to have a full-time job and travel and be away from the kids. So that was helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but there were some serious adjustments when it came to time and boundaries and things like that that were, they were kind of a big deal. Yeah. And that takes us to the second part of your title, which is living life in a manner of Jesus. And so just break that down for us. What does that look like? And what did you hope to get out of this title between the red letters? Well, and that, that kind of subtitle kind of captures the essence of it, because so many mm -hmm. times you go through life and I hear people and I've said myself, you know, I, I'm too busy. I can't do, you know, X, Y or Z because mm -hmm. this is just how the world is around me. And so there's something about looking at how Jesus just went through his life day to day. I mean, he spent, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years before he ever became into ministry and then, you know, engaged in ministry with a lot of practices that he developed in his own life that I think are applicable today. And so just trying to mm -hmm. and that copy that, learn from that, I think was just uh, is a critical thing. Yeah. And you also mentioned something about the importance of purpose and fulfillment in a life living like Jesus. And I think that that's so important. We need purpose, especially as men and of course all people, but as men, especially, I can speak for myself, I need purpose every single day. And if I don't have a reason to wake yep. up in a ministry to serve in or something, right? I could go work at a, in a secular job. I've been a missionary for five years, but it doesn't fulfill me the way that being a missionary does or, or reaching people for Christ does. And so how would you balance that out for the people who are working in the secular world and that they can still make a difference, right? How can you identify that for us? I Absolutely. And people, and like you said, you know, it, it can be maybe more of a, a male thing. A lot I've seen it in both, uh, you know, male mm -hmm. and female, but this desire for purpose. One of the things that when Jesus talked about having an abundant life, he mm -hmm. wasn't wrapping it around um, the trappings of blessings, of family, of stuff. A lot of it was wrapped around just having a bigger reason to exist, mm -hmm. something to, to focus on. And so, you know, even being in the business world, you can still have purpose there, right? Mm -hmm purpose to do your job well, to see your company succeed. Those are great. Uh, but the bigger purpose, the one that keeps you going outside of work hours or even gives you purpose within that, of course, mm -hmm. is living in the ways, you know, that Jesus lived. And I think that's, that's critical. That brings satisfaction. It brings, you know, a greater joy and honestly motivates you, you know, to get up and go do
Yeah. And we all know, I mean, our listeners today, they're not unfamiliar with the gospel. They're not unfamiliar with the principles Correct. of Jesus. But if you could just got, dive into that a little bit deeper, how can we practically apply some of these things into our life? You, you mentioned embodying Jesus's principles. And so how can we do that in our day to day? Well, life? and maybe, maybe I'll, t- I'll step back just briefly because yeah. this was kind of a different thing because I grew up in the church, right? I've been reading my Bible mm-hmm. for 50 years now. Um, so it wasn't like I was reading the gospels and had never seen this, but a lot mm-hmm. of the teaching that I had learned and sat under and even preached on, you know, focused on the things Jesus said, right? The Sermon on the Mount, all these parables, all that stuff, which is amazing, fantastic stuff. But I, I'd read just a tidbit where someone challenged us to look at how he lived in between what he said. And so I'd be, I just, it started in my own devotional time and I thought, you know mm-hmm. what, let me just take a look at like, all those little kind of connecting sentences that often go from one story to the next story. And you kind of just treat them as they're really just bridges, like almost like, mm-hmm. well, they're just doing that so they can get from this story to this story. Get and to the good to say, part. But, <laughs> right. right. But what if yeah. there's more to it than that? What if there's a mm-hmm. description in there of what Jesus does that has value? Wow. And so that began this whole exploration into saying, well, how do we live how he did? I mean, he gave us lots of instructions on our, on our attitudes and our hearts and what we do. And we, we shape our lives around that. But then how did he actually live it out? What did he do? Mm-hmm. How did he interact with people? You know, what were the things that made him go from point A to point B? How did he, you know, engage with people? And as I went through that, I began to see a pattern. You know, there's mm-hmm. some of these things he did that apply to our own personal lives, how we grow in our relationship with Jesus. Some of them are just how he related to people, right? We see a lot of how he talked to people, but there are other things on how we, you know, they're kind of side or side things, like sideline things. Mm-hmm. And then in leadership, because he was always about developing leaders and, you know, building that next generation of disciples. And how did he do that? So that's kind of where that came from. And I just found it utterly fascinating. And as I did, I yeah. thought, man, this is this is good stuff. I need to, I need to write this. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Dive into Keith Cooper's transformative journey in taking the mask off. My journey from Dr. Seuss to the Bible. Unveil layers of self-discovery and resilience. Through journaling, Keith navigates grief and embraces authenticity. This creative narrative, a transcription of his therapeutic path, is a compelling read. Experience the power of unmasking. Get your copy on Amazon and embark on a journey of reflection and healing. Embark on a transformative journey with Finding Hope in Healing, a Christ-centered approach to mental illness by Dr. Shiloh W. Martin. Gain profound insights into mental health through a biblical lens, blending professional expertise with unwavering faith. This compassionate guide dives into depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder, offering comfort, hope, and practical advice anchored in Scripture. Purchase your copy on Amazon today and discover the transformative power of faith on the path to mental wellness. I do like this principle because who doesn't, if we're Christ, if we want to look more like Christ, if we want to become more sanctified every single day, we should want to look like Christ. We should want that as believers. And so I think it's so awesome. You're right. Not looking at all the highlights that we always talk about in church, but the in-between. And I think that is exactly the title that you're trying to give us today in between the red letters. And if we can live like Christ outside of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, who doesn't want that? Who, who doesn't, right? Yep. And so I think that's, I love this. Well, idea. and if you think about- That's amazing. Yeah, well, think about the uh, the leadership principles, whether you're reading Maxwell or you're leading anybody else. Mm-hmm. They'll say, look, if you want to be the best golfer, look at what mm-hmm. the best golfers do and right. do that. 
right? If you mm -hmm. want to be the best CEO, look what CEOs do and do that, right? Focus on their practices, their habits, their their activities, and then emulate that. I, I don't think it's any different for a Christ follower. Mm -hmm. Look what you right. did and then try mm -hmm. and you know follow along with that. So yeah, that's wonderful. What about some some of those stories that you you were looking at that were just the most fascinating for you, if without giving too much away of the book, of course, but what is just one story in particular? Like most people miss this, but it just really spoke to you. Well, and and there's there's a couple, but there's there, let me say two that bring to mind. One that's maybe a little more well known, and one that's less well known. Um, there's a statement that Luke makes in one of the Gospels, where it just says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Right? We've all heard that. Mm -hmm. He kind of makes it almost like a side statement, and yet when you begin to think, so why did he include that? Obviously, the disciples noticed. Right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they would have never seen this. And you begin to think, so what is actually going on here? And it's this idea of reset, of reorienting himself to what the Father wanted him to do. And so just that little sentence all by itself kind of gives this whole template on this need to with to make this a habit. Because it says he often did, right? So he pulled away all the time. And he went due to lonely places. You have to do it by yourself. And in a culture right. today where we are saturated, you know, with input, that's important, you know? And then he prayed. And, you know, I always like to picture the stuff that isn't said, right? When I grew up, you know, Jesus praying all night was a picture of him sitting on a rock, you know, with his hands folded. Mm -hmm. I don't think it worked that way. I think he went away and he just spent time with God and let himself be reoriented. So, so that's kind of a personal one, but there's another story where he heals a blind man. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because he does it in his hometown. And there's this little sentence that you read in between that before he heals him, it says, Jesus led him outside the town. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Why would he take him outside the town? And as the story goes on and he goes to heal him, when he's finished, he says, uh, don't go back there. Go to your place. And the entire story, you get the sense that Jesus is really trying to uphold the dignity of this man because people wanted to see a show. They were the ones that brought this blind man to Jesus, kind of like, hey, show us what you can do. We've heard that mm -hmm. you've done this before. Do it again. Right. But Jesus was so... Uh, engage with the person uh, that he he valued them. And, and so little lessons like those two really stuck out to me. I mean, there's more, but those are That's two awesome. off the top of my head that I, yeah, I really I, like. I think if we can understand this in between the red letters, it can really unlock something powerful in our life. I think you, you're exactly right. You needed to write this yes. in a book for us to understand, because I think that this is a, a really powerful thing because we don't, this is something we don't really talk about in between the life of the high moments, the highlights that we always know and hear about, right? And how about in today's complex world? It's hard. It's difficult. As I mentioned earlier, I just came back to the States and I feel like I'm more in the world than I've ever been, you know, in surrounding, if that makes sense. I think our audience understand that terminology, but I feel closer to the struggle than ever. And I lived in a foreign country, you know? And so how can we mm -hmm. identify these things? How can we be more like Christ, even in the, the depths and the, de the darkness and all these things that are going on today? Yeah, it's interesting. And you probably are can identify this maybe uh, easier because you're recently returned, right? And you begin to see how uh, the rhetoric, the way the world works, the the political divisiveness, the mm -hmm. general, uh, the way things are even portrayed in most social media, right? The black and the white. Is, right. It's it's very, um, it's actually very complex, but everybody wants to boil it down to black and white. Are you with mm -hmm. me? Are you against me? Right. And it seems to be increasing, right? Everybody knows that. That's just kind of how uh, that's how we view the world in a lot of cases, both inside and outside the church. 
But when you look at how Jesus lived, right, there's that verse that John says that Jesus was full of grace and truth, right? Mm -hmm. He was a guy who didn't try and balance the two, right? He wasn't balancing truth with grace. It says he was full of both, which means he never compromised what was true, right? What uh, what was real about who he was and the truth of how you get to God and how you're supposed to live God's ways. He never soft-pedaled any of that, but... He did it so full of grace that even the people who were completely opposed to him recognized who he was and sinners were drawn to him. And so when I look at all these principles, these things of how he lived his life, you know, between what he said, he actually lived out this idea of grace and truth, right? He was never compromising what he was supposed to do, his purpose, right? Like we talked about earlier, he never compromised any of that. Uh, but at the same time, he interacted with people in a manner that valued them as image bearers of God and uh, that really looked into their deepest needs and met them. And I think in, in a world that's getting more complex like ours, there's a simplicity to just seeing how Jesus dealt with people mm-hmm. and with himself that brings some clarity to that. Yeah. I think if we can learn to love people like Jesus loved people or even see people the way that Jesus sees people, we would get a long way in life, right? Because it's so easy to be, to have prejudice or to, to prejudge, right? What's going on Yep. just by the, exactly, exactly what you said earlier, by the color of our skin or by our ethnicity or by whatever it is, our choice of life or whatever, right? And God has his ways and the world has theirs and you know, we can still see things. He still had full of gr- grace and full of truth. As you said, he didn't compromise. And I think that is, yeah. we need to really tune into that. And well, and when you look at how we live too, I think it's fascinating that someone who lived 2000 years ago applied principles to life. Mm-hmm. Cause that's where this all comes from. The entire book is like trying to be very, very intensely practical. Cause it, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I read books, I'm like, well, that's good, but what am I supposed to do with this? And, and mm-hmm. I, I tend to lean towards the, okay, well now what? And is that so, kind of your uh, preaching style too? It is. It is very practical. I usually like to have takeaways or, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with this? And so, you know, throughout that, when you look at how we lived, it usually comes down to one of a couple of things. Is there some way I need to just view the world differently, right? Mm-hmm. See people differently, see things, just be aware of mm-hmm. what's going on. Or are there some actions that I need to be taking that better reflect this whole idea of living yeah. with grace and truth, right? And, um, I think it's fascinating that you can look at all those and they just translate across 2000 years. No problem. Right. They are not archaic. They are as relevant today as they were then. So, yeah. And this is your first book, Weldon. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any plans on another book or a sequel to this or anything else coming after that? I I do have one. It's actually already sketched out. It probably won't be done until 2026. Um, It's a little weightier. It probably is one that's a little more close to my heart in some way. It's a book about uh, living out of your identity, knowing, you know, knowing who you are and who you belong to and the way that shapes it. And I know that's a, been a, a bigger topic in recent years, but it's one that shaped my life a lot. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of working on that one because I enjoy the process of writing. I enjoy, mm-hmm. I read a lot. I like books. I like writing as a whole. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I hope that we can be in, in touch and maybe have you on for that podcast episode as yeah. well for that book. And I think, yeah, as you that. said, identity is so important. That's what changed my life is understanding who I am in Christ because I was a drug addict seven years ago, but I found my identity in Jesus and I'm no longer that person. The old man has died. I'm a new, a new creation and, and all of those wow, things. Wow, that's awesome. I'm not defined by who I, what I did, you know? And so uh-huh. all those things really, really changed my life. And so I'm excited for that book as well. 
Thank you, Weldon, for your time here today. Anything else you want to share with our audience about your book or something that we didn't mention that you think is important for us? No, I I would encourage uh, your audience to you know to get a copy and look at it, read through it, and then kind of parse out and see where uh, you can apply these principles in your life. Uh, my goal in writing this was to be able to just equip people to have things yeah. that you say, look, this doesn't really mean you have to go do anything different in terms of your career, mm-hmm. but it changes the perspective and maybe some of the habits that will actually it'll actually take you more to where Jesus wants you anyway to be closer to Him and to relate with people. And, and on purpose with, with um, yeah. you know, with prune a better me, Lord. Prune better me. way you've done it before. That's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I've had a couple of people tell me that, you know, the, the last third of the book, which is about leadership, doesn't apply to them because they're like, well, I'm not a leader. And my contention is, is that everybody leads somebody, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's your little league, your own kids, you know, your spouse, uh, the club you're in, the hobby, everybody has influence. And so even though it's called leadership principles, I think they apply to anybody who has uh, any influence at all, which I think is almost all. Yeah. Thank you so much. One more time. What is the title of your book and where can we find this as well? Okay. It's called Between the Red Letters, Living in Life in the Man Jesus. And it's available on every Amazon uh, platform. Um, And so, uh, you know, if you search, it should come up there. And it doesn't matter which country and it's across all of them, whether it's, you know, U.S., Canada or, or, or any of the others. Uh, that's okay. where it is. It's available both in uh, hardcover, uh, paperback, as well as a digital version. Um, audio version may be on the way, but it is not available as of yet. Okay, cool. We'll be, walking, we'll be watching for that. Thank you so much. And if I can have you pray for our audience to end our time together, that would be excellent. I would love to do that. Father, I thank you for each person that's listening uh, to this today. Um, The reason they all are is because there's obviously a level of interest in you, a commitment to you. And so I pray a a blessing on that. I pray the exact same things that we've been talking about, that people would uh, lean into you, be drawn closer to you, to know you better, and then to let that inspire their relationships and how they interact with people so that honestly, we can model the grace and truth that you lived to the people that are around us. Mm-hmm. So uh, I pray that you would do that, that you would work that in each person uh, that listens to this today. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.